Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at investigators and scientists who died suddenly. That's correct, investigators and scientists who died suddenly. Now, this article comes to us from anomalien.com, A-N-O-M-A-L-I-E-N.com. Title says UFO investigators murdered. Who is killing them and why? Now it has a list of a lot of people who have died very mysteriously. They're not all UFO investigators. Now quite a few of these people are actually scientists who worked on everything from you know these high high level defense department projects to uh, the Star Wars initiative. But I want to go through and take a look at a few of them. It's really interesting. It says there's still too much there's still too much suspicion raised when it comes to various tests of UFO investigators. It is frequent and there are too many. And this has been going on since 1947. And still, and it still does. It's not all from deaths caused by gunshots to the head. Death by probable poisoning, death by alleged suicides, death by strangulations, death by uh, implementation of radioactive isotopes, deaths by implementation of deadly viruses, the list goes on and on. The suspicious deaths of UFO investigators John E. Mack, Lloyd Pye, Alistair Beckham, Mr. X, Ugrande Holanda, Phil Snyder, Ronald Rummel, Dr. Alan J. Hynek, Danny Casalori, Dr. Carl Turner, Ron Johnson, Con Routine, and Livingston, as well as the deaths of a host of researchers in the past and many more, only add emphasis to the reality with which many of the more aware ufologists are now quite familiar. It looks like a lot of these people maybe got a little too close to something that they weren't supposed to know. I mean, who's to say, but the deaths are strange. Not only is UFO research a potentially dangerous area, but the lifespan of the average serious investigator falls falls short compared to the national average. Because if you investigate this, you will find that many UFO researchers working on their research in the 1970s and 80s died under some very mysterious circumstances, and many things point toward that they may have been killed. This is also the conclusion reached by an amateur astronomer, a former U.S. government advisor, Timothy Hood. Hood made this statement in an international conference in Amsterdam dedicated to search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And I believe his statement to be true, but for all the research but for all the researchers trying to find extraterrestrial life and revealing the truth, it's still unpleasant. Hood's conclusion was prompted by a thirty year study of this topic. Quote, in a relatively short time, 25 people who worked in the space field died for various reasons. When discovered, this tragic phenomenon, when this, when discovered, this tragic phenomenon seriously believed that it had to do with aliens. According to Timothy Hood, these deaths were not accidental, but rather were the work of a special services that eliminated the experts because they knew too much. And then it says, let's take a look at some of these unusual deaths alleged by other, alleged, allegedly done by suicide. This first one's interesting. Captain Urange Holanda, Brazil. It says, during the months of September through December 1977, the Brazilian Air Force, under the command of Captain Urange Holanda, was sent to the island of Corrales to investigate a series of incidents in which over 80 people reported being attacked by beams of light from UFOs 
paralyzing two of them and leaving puncture and burn marks on their skin. And we've talked about this in one of the former podcasts about how people uh, were examined by medical staff and they actually saw these burn marks. And as I recall, uh, it was conducive with injuries from a laser radiation. There were lots and lots of reports. It says the investigation was codenamed Operation Saucer. This operation collated over 15 hours of film, 500 photos, and hundreds of documents with detailed drawings and interviews with over 3,000 witnesses. Now think about that. 15 hours of film, 500 photographs, hundreds of documents with drawings and interviews, and interviews of 3,000 witnesses. That's what I call a mass sighting. They say the files were to remain classified by the Brazilian government until 1997. Why? Why, why? why make these classified? This is a mass UFO sighting with injuries to onlookers. And the first thing the government wants to go in and do is contain everything. And contain it for 20 years. Kind of like the recent information they wanted to contain about a particular, uh, a, a, a particular injection for 75 years. What's the secret? Why, why are we keeping this stuff secret for years and years and years? It goes on and says, When UFO investigators A.J. Gaviard and Marco Pettit of UFO Magazine were allowed partial access, they were, they were also contacted by the then-retired Captain Alanda, who gave them a vivid recollection of the whole series of events. So here you go. After a lot of pestering, the Brazilian government decides to create a limited hangout. And that's where they allow these two UFO experts to come in and take a look at a very small part of the information of the investigation that was done. Just a little bit. We're not going to tell you the really important stuff, but we're going to let you see some of the stuff just so we can take some of the pressure off. But what they didn't expect was for this retired Captain Holanda to come in and say, hey, let me fill in the blanks. I was there. Let me tell you what happened and what the government is not telling you 20 years after the fact. In 1997, two decades after the operation, Captain Yoranda gave an interview to the researcher Adamar Jose Gevard, editor of UFO Magazine, founder and president of CBPDV, which I won't even try to pronounce that, it's all in Portuguese, and then it says, and Marco Antonio Pettit. In this interview, he recounted his experience living alongside his men. Some three months after the interview, he was found dead, hanging by his own belt. Wow, how convenient. So this guy's been tooling along for 20 years and just happens to commit suicide just about three months after he gives this interview that the government didn't want him to give. That's interesting. Ron Rommel. In early August 1993, Ron Rommel, also known as Creston, was found dead in Portland, Oregon Park. He had been shot through the mouth and was supposedly holding a gun in his hand. The police labeled it a suicide, cremated the body the next day without performing an autopsy or notifying relatives. Why would you do that? I mean, the guy's dead. What, what, what's the need? What, what do you have to expedite this? Why does he have to be cremated immediately? Allegedly having shot himself in the mouth with a pistol, friends say that no blood was found on the pistol barrel and the handle of the weapon was free of fingerprints. In addition, according to information now circulating, the suicide, was, suicide note left by the deceased was written by a left-handed person. Rommel was right-handed. Perspiration on the body smelled like sodium Penitol. I think that's truth serum. Boy, that poor man. Now this article, this case here is a Svrdlovsk case, Russia. It's S-V-E-R-D-L-O-V-S-K. 
The entire alleged incident was actually reported on a 1998 TNT special, The Secret KGB UFO Files, and hosted by former James Bond actor Roger Moore. The program showed startling film segments of the alleged UFO crash, as well as several minutes of the supposed autopsy of the dead alien. According to records of the UFO crash in 1969, we believe that this case is true, but we don't believe the actual autopsy was genuine. This would not be unusual for somebody in the Soviet Union like that to uh, either plant disinformation, or maybe they just wanted to go ahead and throw in the autopsy to make the film more marketable, but it does sound like there probably was some sort of UFO crash there. This was probably added later and had really nothing to do with the Sarbad-like crash. And it goes on to say, and in April and May 1979, an unusual anthrax epidemic occurred in Sarbad-like's union of Soviet socialist republics. Soviet officials attributed to consumption of contaminated meat. you got to wonder if they were even getting meat from the U.S. back then. Uh... Soviet officials attributed to consumption of, of contaminated meat. U.S. agencies attributed to inhalation of spores accidentally released at a military microbiology facility in the city. Isn't that interesting? A microbiology facility located in the city. And what were they doing there? Well, they were apparently taking anthrax and they were running it through a little procedure called gain of function. And that's where they take this anthrax, which is normally deadly to cattle and maybe to humans, but probably not going to like have like a hundred percent kill rate. And they uh, adjust the va- they adjust the virus enough through genetics or whatever they did back then, and they improve its function until it's really deadly, called gain of function. Kind of what happened with a certain virus that came out of a place, you know, over there in the far east recently where they took a virus that supposedly affected those little critters that fly around at nighttime, and they ran that virus through a bunch of processes called gain-of-function, and then it just accidentally got released into the environment and resulted in a whole ton of people dying. Well, that's been going on for a while now, not just in the United States, but in Russia, in China, all over the world. You have mad scientists who are taking deadly viruses and making them a lot more deadly by running them through a process called gain of function. It's fun for them. It happened in, out in Boston here a few months ago. Remember, remember the uh, smallpox virus that accidentally uh, left in a lab somewhere. They had they had they'd run it up to, from like a ten percent fatality rate to like a ninety some percent fatality. So we have we have some we have some really we have some people who need I think who need a little help. Uh, appreciating risk, risk of, uh, of, of uh, creating a mad die-off. But it's been going on for a long time, I mean, and it's been going on since at least 1979. And so what they're saying is this UFO crash in Russia, over there in Sabadlock, uh, a bunch of people witnessed it, a bunch of scientists saw it, probably examined parts of it, maybe even examined a body, and uh, word was getting out, maybe they were afraid someone was going to talk about it, and conveniently, as far as they're concerned, not conveniently for the victims, but conveniently, this anthrax, uh, hopped up anthrax virus was released, and all the people that were involved in the UFO sighting uh, conveniently died. It says epidemiological data show that most of the victims worked or lived in a narrow zone extending from the military facility to the southern city limit. Further south, livestock died of anthrax along the zone's extended axis. 
Many scientists also died during the outbreak, so the TNT spatial crew had a hard time getting in touch with several of the scientists who dealt with the craft. Yes, you dealt with the craft? Well, we have a little problem getting a hold of you because uh, you're, no, you're no longer alive. Uh, we want to go on here and look at one more case. I think this is interesting, too. U.S. Secretary of Defense James Forrestal. In May 1949, the life of first U.S. Secretary of Defense James Forrestal came to an end when he plunged to his death from a window of the Basita, Maryland National Naval Medical Center. Rumors abound that Forrestal's classified government work gave him unique access to the U.S. government's most guarded UFO secrets of all. Secrets that Forrestal was intent on disclosing to the world had his untimely and suspicious death not got in the way. Well, there you go. This guy is the Secretary of Defense. Apparently, had let somebody know that he's about to blow the UFO secrets wide open. And unfortunately, he fell out of a tall building, a hospital there. My advice would be that if you're in one of these positions and you decide to release, uh, disclose UFO phenomena information, uh, don't tell anybody about it ahead of time. Just uh, either don't do it or do it. Uh, unfortunate for him. It says, let's also take a look at Alistair Beckman and his fellow colleagues. An example, were these scientists victims of a corrupt defense industry have, or were they espionage pawns? And this goes on talks about 22 uh, researches for the British, uh, for the British uh, Star Wars uh, program uh, were all found dead, allegedly uh, committed suicide. It goes through a list all of them. Some of them are pretty gruesome. I'm not going to go through all of them. But it kind of bleeds over from... Uh, you know, whether they're investigators or scientists, it seems like once you get into this that super high-level uh, research that involves UFOs or even space warfare, you really are in a risky area where if you seem, it seems like you are a threat to disclose something that, that's, that, they, that they don't want disclosed, uh, you are at a high risk of, of no longer uh, being with the rest of us, so to speak. Um, I found this overall to be a pretty good article. Uh, some of the some of the examples they gave were really disturbing. Uh, I like the one about the one from the Soviet Union. That was wild. But these guys supposedly find this wrecked spaceship, and by the time that the uh, American film company goes over there to investigate the scientists, just before they get there, there's this outbreak of hopped up anthrax uh, virus floating around, and all the scientists end up dead. Uh, scary times indeed. Until next time, this is UFO warning. Over now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.